All right, let's pray. Father, I now just uh, I pray for your word to be spoken with truth and with clarity and with love. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be filled with your Holy Spirit and be led by your Holy Spirit uh, as we worship you through the preaching of your word and also through the listening of your word. God, I pray that every word that I say would be truth. I pray that it would be clear the message that is in your word. And Lord, I just pray that it would all be done in love because without love, it's no good. Father, I pray for every heart to intimately fall in love with you tonight. God, I pray that uh, for the Christian that is struggling with their salvation and uh, Lord, they are going through trials. Lord, I pray that they find joy in those trials because it creates perseverance in us so it would be complete, lacking in nothing. I pray that you would restore the joy of their salvation in you. Father, I pray that we would come together as, as one tonight, as, as one unit, as a body of believers, and we would encourage each other, build each other up uh, with our gifts. And Lord, I pray that I would use the gift that you have given me through your Holy Spirit so that I can lead and teach your word with love and with clarity and with truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. So what's up, guys? How are y'all? That's good. So um, tonight we're having cornhole and pizza, and it's going to be great. Um, me and Joe Hedgepath are on a team, and I'm going to let y'all know undefeated. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm calling it now. It's called prophecy. Um, if you didn't know about that word, it's, uh, we're going to be undefeated. I already asked him to be on my team. I got, I got dibs on Joe. So uh, anyways, we're in this uh, series of, uh, we're going through the book of Ephesians, and I think it's really important like, to go back and forth between reading through books so we have like a, like a, a full idea and a full image of what God's Word is, is telling us so that we're not jumping from topic to topic. And uh, I feel like that gets a little iffy sometimes if we're just going from topic to topic. You can pretty much prove anything uh, you want by using the Bible and not using it in context. Um, but we've been going to the book of Ephesians. I know it's been a while, but it's been great. I mean, it's just been awesome. And the things that I've learned, uh, the things that I've remembered, I've been at work or uh, grocery shopping or doing something. I remember something out of Ephesians, you know, because it's just something that we've been so saturated in it, and, it's, and it's, uh, it's so good to learn it back to back to back, and it's like it's so fluid. It flows. And what's crazy about uh, last week, we talked about um, following, or no, it was actually Sunday, uh, or maybe last, last Wednesday. I can't remember. Okay. I think I preached Sunday and not Wednesday. I think uh, my days are mixed up. I think Kenny preached last Wednesday. Okay, yeah, all right, we're, we're good. We're on topic. But, okay, so Sunday was really crazy. I was talking about um, um, following our sinful nature versus following the Holy Spirit. And then Kayla just talked about following the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. And the way we're going to start this off tonight is um, we're going to be talking about marriage tonight. All right, I know it's kind of weird because I'm talking to the students more than I am talking to adults, but students are going to one day get married. You're going to get married one day unless you have the gift of singleness, um, which I was not gifted with. So um, you're going to get married one day, so that's how it went. So uh, started off in the beginning, God created man on the sixth day, and 
He created all these other living things like birds and reptiles. He created all of them, and he saw that it was good. But when he looked at the man after he created him and looked at all the living things that he created, all the livestock, everything, everything that goes in the sea and it swarms with fish and with other big reptiles called dinosaurs, it was doing, it, all this was out there, but God saw that there was not one of those things fit to help him. There was not a helper fit for him out of all those living things that was made. So he said, it is not good that man would be alone. It's not good that he doesn't have a companion. And so what he did is that he performed the first surgery by knocking uh, Adam out with a rock. And when he fell on the ground, that was the, you know, the anesthesia back then. And so he took Adam's rib and made a woman, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. And so he created a woman from the man. Woe to the man that there's a woman, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. You know, you know the old saying, you can't live with them, can't live without them, that kind of thing. Anyways, y'all will get it later. But um, so what's crazy is, fun fact, what is the only bone in the body that can grow back once it's taken off? The rib. That's crazy. Like, to me, that's like, wow, that's like evidence. I mean, Adam did not have one rib that was short. Like, it grew back after a while like a lizard's tail. So, anyways, then Adam and Eve got married. They became one flesh, you know, because God made uh, them together, and they became one flesh. You know, they um, got married, and they did things that married people do. And that is what they did. And so that's our first marriage. And it was a match made in heaven. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, God is the designer of marriage. He made it Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Uh, everybody's heard that one. But it is between a man and a woman. That's just uh, that's how he made it. It's a, it's a perfect design. And... He made it in perfection, and then after it was made, then, then we fell. And, you know, there's certain guidelines and rules that uh, we have to follow now, and there's, there's certain complications in marriage that come with having sin in our lives. So like, you know, I'm a sinner, my wife is a sinner, so we're going to have complications. There's going to be things that rise up, differences that rise up between us uh, that are complicated to deal with, but we're going to be talking about marriage tonight because one day you guys are going to be married. And you're going to have to know how to be a husband and a wife. I remember uh, it was like the first couple months uh, that me and Kylie were married, and I had no idea how to be a husband. And I didn't know how to love her. And uh, because now you're together all the time, not just some of the time, and you have to spend the night in the same house, and you have to you know, use the same closet, and you have to do all these other kind of little things that you think about, but you're not extremely prepared for them. And uh, I didn't know how to love uh, my wife, and uh, mainly because I didn't study this passage enough, and uh, I just didn't know. And um, she wrote me a note one time and said, I feel like that if I was not in your life, you would still be living the same way. So I was living as a single man, and I was married. And uh, and it hit me, and I will never forget it. Uh, and so I, I realized that I had to learn how to love because I was being selfish uh, in a weird way because I didn't. I was honestly thinking, uh, I'm not doing good right now, but I'm trying. Like I just don't know how to do it. And um, and I, I realized that I just had to trust God and love. So 
Here's how it starts out. This is how marriage starts out. It uh, starts out by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, in chapter 5, it, it talks about being careful how you live and, and to not act thoughtlessly. And it says to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, like, that's right before, uh, that's right bef- before it talks about husband and wife. And so the very basis of being married is, by, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I say, and when it says being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not talking about, like, if you have a cup of a cup and then you pour water into it, now it's filled with water. Like you're not a cup being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's more of a picture of like a sailboat and this the sail is being filled with wind so that it is carried on. It's an action. It's a it's it's uh it's not passive, it's active in in its in its force. It's not just gonna sit there and be static and just fill up and sit there. No, it's it's more like it's moving on. You're being led by, you're being carried on by the Holy Spirit. So as you walk, as you do your thing, you are being carried by the Holy Spirit. So you're following. Each step is guided by Him, and you have to listen. And so the very basis of marriage is that because God is the designer of marriage. So He's gonna. The design is based off of number one. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. Man and woman both. And uh, there are times, there's exceptions where the man may be a Christian, a believer, and the woman is not, or the woman is a believer and the man is not. And uh, we're not going to be talking about those things or not, but there are exceptions uh, to these things where people can be married and not have be filled with the Holy Spirit. But we're going to be looking at this in the context of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 21, this is what it says. And further, so after being filled with the Holy Spirit, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I'm going to stop right there because I feel like this is very important. I had never in my life recognized that verse. I've always thought, and this is um, partly why I was such a, such a bad husband before, because I didn't realize that, my, that I actually had to submit too. So I thought, like, I don't know how to be active in my leadership or in I don't know how to have authority, or, or I don't know if that's right. Like, I just had this weird view in my mind, like, I don't know how to view submission versus the head of the household. Like, I don't, I don't know how to do that, because mainly how I did that before was by serving, and I thought that was the right thing to do. And then I realized, like, okay, I'm reading that, you know, love your wife like Christ loved the church, and you know, and wives be submissive to your husbands as to the Lord. And I, I didn't really read that in the right context because I didn't read the verse before it. It says that you are to submit to each other. And that, that blew my mind. It actually does say that. And uh, so it goes on to talk about what each role the husband and the wives take on. And starts off with the wives. It says, for wives, this means, to, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord meaning that as your husband submits to the Lord, you submit to him. Not that you put him on equality with God and you submit to him as if he is God in your life. No, it's as he follows God, you follow him. It's, a, it's this like, you know, command or this, uh, this chain that goes on. It's like, oh, if he's following Christ, I, I'm supposed to follow him because he's following Christ. Just like Paul told uh, Timothy or Barnabas, I forget which one, said, you follow me as I follow the Lord. Follow me as I imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's kind of like how it is. 
And it says, For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And uh, this, this word submission often carries a negative connotation, especially in our culture, because it, it kind of brings on a, a, a dominance or like an authoritative uh, connotation to it that, that the husband is able to uh, say a command and the wife is to submit to that and obey that command, but that's not at all what it's talking about. It's submission to, to follow, or as the husband goes, you follow him, but I, I have to go on to the husband thing to make the wife thing make sense. So here's what it says about the husband. It says, for husbands, this means, so submission means, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And so it starts off with this. I'm going to describe the husband's love for his wife as Christ loved the church so, so that we could talk about the wife submitting to the husband in the right way. And so this is how the man is supposed to love the woman. The woman is supposed to be loved by the man in a sacrificial way because that is how Christ loved his church. He loved his church in a sacrificial way. Ultimately, by sacrificing his body on the cross, so too we as husbands must be able to lay our life down or willing to lay our life down for our wives and taking the opportunity to say that is an ultimate expression of my love by being able to sacrifice my time or sacrifice uh, my love or sacrifice whatever I have to do to put my body down and lay myself down and say, I'm going to submit to you in this way. So basically you are submitting to the authority of your wife, or to your wife. So you're being submissive to the fact that you have authority, or uh, that you are the head, and this is how it goes, sacrificially. And then it says, I'm hoping this makes sense. I don't know why my phone's ringing right now. That's distracted the, that distracted me so bad just now. My butt was vibrating. It was just like, mm-hmm. And so like, uh, sorry. It says... Uh, he gave his life up for her to make her holy and clean. So he's not only supposed to be love her sacrificially, but love her with a purifying love. And this brings on this, uh, this thought that, that in your relationship, you as a man are responsible for what comes in. So to, to make the relationship between you and your wife a pure relationship. And so to be able to, to love her purely and to cleanse her of things that are not righteous. And so like when your relationship is looked at as a whole, the man is actually responsible for that. The man carries the weight in that department that the relationship should be pure and, you know, to, to wash her with the word. And so it should not be the wife's responsibility to come in and say, hey, let's read the Bible together, the man should be able to take that on and say, hey, let's read the Bible together. And guys, if you have girlfriends, you could go ahead and start doing that. That could be something that you practice and, and say, hey, let's read the Bible together because, you know, although reading the Bible on your own is a very good thing, reading the Bible with somebody else and someone that you love 
or that you see as a potential wife, then you come together and that's loving her purely. And you love her also with a caring love. It says, um, it says he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she would be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. And so you look at this and you think about whose teeth do you brush in the morning? You brush yours. Whose hair do you brush in the morning? You brush yours. You take a shower. You eat. You nourish yourself. In the same way, you should love your wife in a caring way to take care of her in those ways. You love her as you would love your own body. And it says, No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. So just as Christ takes care of us, because we are his body, you take care of your wife in that way too. As the scriptures say, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is, it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So the last thing, he's to love her with an inseparable love, one that is between you and your wife, and only you and your wife, one that cannot be separated by anything, by any circumstance, now, there are exceptions such as adultery that is permissible to be separated. But other than that, it's an inseparable kind of love. And so this, this love, this word love in here is actually in the Greek is called agape. It is the, it is the love that is a willful love. One that is saying, no matter what, I will love you. And it's one that is independent of circumstance. So no matter what this person does or their ability to be lovable or their kindness or uh, based off a certain circumstance such as an argument or such as a good day, regardless, the love continues on. It's a continual love. It is the most intimate kind of love. It is one that is not shared between anybody else but a husband and a wife and Christ in his church. It is the same way Christ loves his church. It's not just a brotherly love that you have with a friend. It's not just a family kind of love that you have with another family member. It's so much more intimate. And the, what separates that kind of love from the other kinds of love is this. is It's a sexual relationship. And... I feel like this is very important because uh, in high school and in college, it is especially hard to keep your purity in this way because it seems that, it seems that that's the next step in the relationship. You know, once you get past the lovey-dovey stage, you, you, know, you want to keep the emotions high or it is socially acceptable to have sex before marriage. In fact, there are some people who think you should have sex before marriage just so you can tell if that's who you want your partner for life to be. And there's certain ways you can uh, do those things outside of marriage now without having sexually transmitted diseases or getting pregnant. So it allows you to do things that you wouldn't normally do outside of marriage. 
our culture kind of is surrounded with this idea of uh, sexual relationship. In fact, I think 92% of songs uh, have some kind of sexual inference. Um, and pretty much any joke you say nowadays can be turned around into a sexual joke. Our minds are constantly filled with these things. And so it makes it seem right that if you know you're going to be marrying this person, then why not go ahead and do that? But God has saved that between the husband and the wife, where the two become one flesh. And that means that you can only become one with one person. You can't become one with multiple people. That's not, uh, that's not logical. And that adds to the purity. That adds to the sacrifice and the, and the, the caring love in your relationship. In fact, sex, a sexual relationship with your husband or your wife is an act of worship because it shows the intimacy of your relationship with Christ. Marriage is the ultimate picture of God's love for us and his sacrifice for us and his caring love for us. And the best picture that I know how to say this as that a husband submits to his care for his wife, a husband submits to his sacrifice for his wife, anything that would benefit his wife, anything that would show love for his wife, not a dominating kind of authority. And the greatest picture I know of that First Peter, chapter, the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, says this, that a man must love his wife like Christ loved the church, just like a sheep is loved by his shepherd, or the sheep submits to his shepherd. And I remembered uh, when Kenny preached about the, the one leaves the hundred, and so, so Jesus leaves the 99, and he's going to get the one. So he, he takes off after the one, and, and the picture of it, I'm thinking of it in my mind, is that he's taking off after the one, and he's sacrificing his life Whatever comes his way, whether the wolves are coming or the bears coming or the lion is coming, he's going to protect his sheep. He's going to lay his life down. He's going to care for his sheep by grooming him, by grooming her, that sheep. He's going to be able to take care of it, feed it, nourish it. That sheep is his possession, and the sheep feels vulnerable and knows, hey, that is my protector. That is my provider, and that is the ultimate way how to submit to the shepherd is by saying, I know I'm protected by you. I am vulnerable to your care. I'm vulnerable to your love. I will allow you to sacrifice your life for me. And I will allow you to love me with an inseparable, unconditional love. To me, that shows a perfect picture of submission, not a bowing down as if you're fearful of the dominating force of your husband, but that the husband submits to your care and you submit to his care so that you have this bond together that is inseparable, one that is caring and building up, one that, that you are looking after your husband's needs and he is looking after your needs and, and y'all should be fighting to care for one another first. And no matter the circumstance, love each other and forgive each other past it because Christ forgave us and he sacrificed himself so that he could forgive us and we would have a right relationship with God. So too, we must also look at our spouse and be forgiving just as God was forgiving toward us. We should have grace just as God had grace toward us. 
And so, students, one day you will get married. Unless God has given you the gift of singleness, which we will talk about at a later time, but tonight we're going to be talking about marriage. One day you will get married. And one day you're going to have to sacrifice things like a walk-in closet. Ladies, you might have to share that walk-in closet and not use the whole thing. And men, you might have to give up the garage as your man cave and be able to park your wife's car so she doesn't have to walk in the rain. Those might be things you have to give up, but trust me, the marriage is worth it. It is God's gift of grace. It's the grace of life. It's the best gift other than salvation that he could give us because it's the best picture that we could ever see of God's love towards us, of Christ's relationship with his church. And so now... Most of you guys are old enough to be able to think about who do you want to marry, and I know that most of you think that. And so it's like, oh, I wonder this person, they're kind of cute, but like, I don't know if they're marriage material or not. I know you guys think that way, so don't play with me, all right? Look, and guys, I know you're probably thinking like, like I'm just trying to find me, you know, a girl I can settle down with, the one that's going to cook me dinner. I want to say, not, not going to go shopping and, and you know, max out my credit cards. That's all I want. That's all I want. Okay, look, she's not out there. No, I'm just playing. Uh, but look, you're going to get married one day. It's going to require sacrifice. But guys, to love your wife with sacrificial, purifying, caring, unconditional, inseparable kind of love. Will you mess up? Yes. Will you get angry sometimes? Yes. Will there be conflict? Yes, because you're a sinner and so is she. But that's the ultimate picture, being able to forgive and have grace and wife, being able to submit. One of the biggest things you can do as a wife is be vulnerable to your husband's love. Have your walls down and be able to accept his love for what it is and to have that the walls down so that you know everything about her and she knows everything, but not everything. It's not going to be that she knows every single thought, but so that your walls are down and you're not ashamed. Just like when Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden together with their wedding, they were both naked. They didn't have any clothes on and they felt no shame until after the fall when they realized they were naked, when they ate the fruit and they, they were aware of their sin. Now they were ashamed of their nakedness. Marriage is supposed to be the picture of Christ in the church where you feel no shame. And so it's the most intimate kind of love, so we should have no walls built up. We should be vulnerable. And ladies, be vulnerable to your husband. I speak from experience. The vulnerability of my wife to me is what shows me most love. I know that if she trusts me as her provider, as her protector, as the person who cares for her, as the person who is able to sacrifice his life for her, when I know that she trusts me to do that, I'm able to love her in those ways at an even deeper level. And it continues to grow over time. And it seems that, that girls, uh, women, have, they're more likely to have walls built up because more emo- they're more emotional and relational than men. And so they're more hurt by past experiences, and they're more likely to hold on. That's not always true, but I sense that, that women have that more so than in men. And men more so have this, uh, this struggle with physicality more so than struggling with uh, the, the emotional side of it. You know, like they're more apt to the physical side than the emotional side. So that being able to love your wife with care, with sacrifice, and with this unconditional, inseparable love opens up and puts down those walls that both of y'all have 
so that you can come together as one flesh. And the closer you get, the more differences come out. I understand that. But the more you live in that way, the more joy will rise up in your, in your relationship and the more you will grow and be purified and be more like Christ. Someone told me before I got married that marriage is the biggest sanctifier in life. And I understand why now. Because there's things that my wife notices about me or that even just being around my wife, I feel things about myself that may not be right with God. You know, we can get frustrated with each other and I sense that I'm not having enough grace or whatever it may be. It's a big, giant sanctifier is what it is. And it's going to be, it gets frustrating at times, but it is the best gift you could have other than your salvation. And that's what we need to talk about tonight was marriage. Because I just feel like, first of all, I was next in the text. And that's, we didn't, I don't want to skip over it. Because sexual relationships is what older students, especially junior, senior, on into college years, it becomes harder and harder and harder to wait. And I would say, as a general rule, to not prolong your singleness if you are mature and ready and you are spirit-filled, being led by the Holy Spirit. And I would say, when you get engaged, that I would make from personal experience and from just a general truth, not always true, but generally true, to make the engagement as brief as possible. Now, you don't have to have a giant wedding that costs $40,000. You don't have to. That's not a necessity. If that's what you want and you both agree to it, that's fine. But as a general rule, you don't have to prolong your singleness and you don't have to get a steady job or, or a steady income and be independent before you start depending on somebody else. In fact, it might be better as a general truth to be able to go through those hard times together so that those things, so that when you're struggling with finances or you're struggling with uh, deciding on moving into a house or staying in the apartment you're in or buying a new car or having, you know, going to this job or that job, you're going through those struggles together and you're able to depend on one another and you're building dependence. You're building that inseparable kind of love, that one flesh. Whereas if you become independent, then depend on somebody, it becomes a whole lot harder to lose your selfish ways and to, and to have that sacrificial kind of love and that vulnerable love where you don't have walls. And so we will talk more about this at a later date. I feel like we should have a series on relationships and dating and just the initial moment of attraction to somebody all the way to when you're 80 years old and you're and you've been married for 65 years or you know talking about divorce and when when that's okay or if you've been through a divorce or uh, what to expect you know if your parents have been through a divorce all this, I feel like we should talk about those things because marriage is the most important thing in life other than your salvation because it is a picture of your salvation um so, students, what I want you to do is I want you to think about, I need you to pray about who you're going to be with or if you're called to singleness 
or if you're with somebody now, be able to pray and say, is this the person God wants me to marry? And seek God's guidance on that. Be led by the Holy Spirit in your relationship because it will shape you and mold you more than anything else in life will. Your relationship with your partner. Or if you're called to singleness, ask God how that's going to look and to help you prepare for that so that you can serve Him in any way He wants you to. And so I'm asking you guys to pray about that because I remember um, somebody telling me to start praying for that now. And I was like 16 or 17 years old. And I remember that, that he was basically telling me, you should stay single until you feel like this is the one that God has called me to. And, and to not just date around to, you know, 50 girls or whatever, just go in and out of relationships because you'll, be, you'll build bad habits. Instead, be filled by the Holy Spirit and ask God, who do you want me to be with? Who do you want me to date? How do you want me to date them? And to, to ask now and then he will provide that person for you or let you know whether you should be single or not. And I remember praying for that. I remember the day I was driving down Quintard and I had been dating uh, I've been talking to Kylie for a little while, but I had advice from somebody to read through the book of Proverbs uh, for 30 days, because, you know, it's, I mean, for 31 days, because it's 31 chapters, and uh, just to seek God's guidance on whether this is the right decision or not. And I remember I got to chapter 30, and I remember driving down Quintar one day, and I felt God tell me, you should be with Kylie. And so, I knew in my heart that's what God wanted me to do, so I obeyed. And it was just, I'm not saying it's going to happen exactly like that. I'm saying God will guide you. God will, the Holy Spirit will guide your steps, and he will teach you, and he will show you the person you're supposed to be. So I want you to start praying about that now. Maybe tonight is the first time you'll be praying about it and asking God's guidance on it, but start now. Start now so that you can learn how to be a good wife or a good husband to your future mate and to pray about how you should be and a husband's wife who are in here, you know, pray about how you can love your wife more or just ask God like, you know, is there a way that I can be more sacrificial? Is there a way that I can be more caring? Is there a way that I can, I can show her that, that our bond is inseparable? Is there a way that our relationship could become more pure by your word so we, your word would wash our relationship so that we would follow you with everything we have, that we could be led by the Holy Spirit together, not just one at a time, to pray about those things. Tonight is about your husband and wife or your future husband or wife. Um, so I'm going to pray and uh, just ask that you pray along with me. Um, and then afterwards, we're going to play some cornhole. So.